Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Hypopolyglot, a podcast dedicated to the art and science of learning languages. I'm your host, Thad Schmink, and I'm glad that you're listening in. As an English speaker, the pronoun you can present a few challenges when learning another language. So in today's episode, I thought we'd take a closer look at some of the issues with you. So stick around. In English, we utilize what I would describe as an all-encompassing you pronoun, meaning we use the pronoun you in nearly every situation. Many other languages, however, are not as simplistic. In fact, many languages require their speakers to choose from several versions of the pronoun you, each version of you having its own purpose and or its own hidden message. And as a result, we as English speakers have to get used to taking some additional factors into consideration in order to be able to choose the right or proper form of the pronoun you in our new language. Let's start with one of the main factors that many other languages require us to consider, our relationship to our audience. Now, in English, we don't really have to consider our relationship to the person we're addressing. Because the English pronoun you can be used when we're talking to someone we barely know, a family member, or an authority figure. In fact, we use you with nearly everyone. Our bosses, our neighbors, our kids, our pets. Now, many other languages are not like this. They require us to consider how well we know a person, or whether or not this person is a superior or a subordinate. And oftentimes, the age of the person that we're addressing is an extremely important factor. Take German, for example. If you were talking to a person who's part of your family, you would use the pronoun du. But if the person were your boss or your teacher, you would select the pronoun Z. Now, both du and Z mean you. But each conveys a different message regarding the type of relationship you have with the person with whom you're talking. Du is far more informal. And it indicates that those talking are more like friends or family. Z is more formal, and it's used to show respect to colleagues, guests, strangers, or those in positions of authority. And this idea of formal and informal is common in many languages. Take Japanese, for example. In Japan, you would address most people that you'd meet throughout the day with the pronoun anata, as it is a relatively formal and polite version of you. But most likely, you would avoid using the kimi form of you, as this is extremely informal but relationships, age, and levels of politeness are not the only factors that need to be considered. Another aspect that needs to be considered before uttering another form of you in many other languages is the size of the audience. In English, the pronoun you by itself, it doesn't really clearly imply or hint at how many people we're talking to. Take, for example, hey you. Well, this can mean that we're trying to get the attention of one person or a group of people. This is not true for many other languages. For example, if your rather upset German mother came into the room where you and your sibling were playing, and she started fussing about how loud you were being, you would hope that she would look at your sibling and use the pronoun du rather than the pronoun ihr. Now why is this? Both du and ihr mean you, but du implies that she's only speaking to one person, and since she's staring at your sibling, this means that you are not part of her audience and you are off the hook. However, if she used the pronoun ear, which is used when the intended audience is two or more, you would know instantly that you were included in her scolding whether or not she was looking at you. 
Now, if this same scenario happened with your American mom and she came in the room and she said that you were being too loud, it would take a moment to figure out whether or not you were included in her you. Or did she just mean your sibling? Or did she mean both of you? And this idea of audience size can be found in many other languages. And there's still one other consideration that some languages tend to require of us, and that is the gender makeup of the audience. For example, in Castilian Spanish, if we were talking to a group consisting only of women, we would use the pronoun vosotras with the feminine as ending and not vosotros with the male os ending because we would not want to insult our audience, which was made up of only women. Because in Spanish, it's important to respect the gender makeup of the audience by abiding by these grammar expectations involving gender. Now, at first, this may all seem a bit overwhelming, as it is different. But keep in mind that we as English speakers are not complete strangers to these considerations. I mean, we do take status and relationships into account when we talk. It's just that we demonstrate our familiarity or our respect to our audience a little bit differently. For example, you might ask your colleague to pass the butter, but if you were wanting to be a little bit more respectful, you might say, can you pass the butter? Yet, if you wanted to be even more respectful, you might say, could you pass me the butter, please? So it's not that we don't take relationship or status into consideration when we speak, it's just that we use verb choice and phrasing to convey this idea of status or respect without having to simultaneously pick from a list of pronouns that all mean you. And some local expressions in English do allow us to indicate the intended size of our audience. For example, in the South, we address larger audiences with the pronoun y'all, and in other parts of the U.S., some people say you guys. In both cases, we're hinting that we're not just addressing one person. So the silver lining is that we don't have to completely reprogram our brains. We just have to enhance our internal programming a little bit to include choosing the right form of the pronoun you before talking to someone. And understanding these different forms of you does bring one hidden benefit. For example, if you were talking to a colleague on the street and someone interrupted your conversation and addressed your colleague with an informal form of the pronoun you, you could infer that this stranger is probably not a stranger to your colleague, rather a friend or a family member. Whereas the English you would not provide you any information regarding the relationship that exists between your colleague and this other person. Until next time, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email me at thehypopolyglot at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And in the meantime, get out there and start chipping away at your next language. This is the Hyperpolyglot. Polyglot.